Today's episode of the Ryan Rosillo Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Getting great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate, that's like drafting a player that becomes an all-pro, the real deal. State Farm agents provide personalized service so you can customize your insurance to fit your needs. Like a GM putting together their very own roster, you need a team that supports you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more with a great price and even greater service. Trust me on this. I just consolidated everything with State Farm, and I'm feeling great about it. I'm just walking around showing strangers my mobile app. State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Here is the plan for today on a Thanksgiving Wednesday. Josh Demel, 40-plus-minute conversation. Excited about that one. Met him a couple times on different promotional things, and so we're just going to talk about his new movie, The Buddy Games, out now. Uh, he's excited about it, wrote, directed, starred in it. Nick Swartzen, always a good time. So that's coming up. Yeah, we're going to take a little time off here from from all the other stuff. And then life advice at the end. But the college football playoff rankings are out, and that's where today's open is. That's where I start. Rankings are out. Get mad, folks. Those are the rules. I've gotten mad at rankings. You've gotten mad at rankings. We all get mad at rankings. That's kind of why they're there, for us to be mad at them. And, you know, that's what it is. But the big one was BYU coming in at 14, right? As you're thinking, does BYU have a chance? to maybe crash the playoff party and the rankings come out and you're like, wait, we're behind Iowa State, Oklahoma, Miami, and Georgia? How did that happen? And wait, Cincinnati's seventh and we're 14th? We're 9-0. and So BYU fans, I get it. You're upset. I know your arguments. I've heard them all, not specific to you, but I've heard them every year I've done this. I know everybody's arguments, even if it's not specific to the program. You're going to give me your arguments. And then there's the national argument of Washington offering you a game. And um, I'd, I'd read a bunch of different things. I don't really know who to believe on this one. Um, it was basically Washington was going to ask for all these parameters. And it was going to cost BYU money to follow the Pac-12 protocols. It wasn't really going to make a ton of sense. Then there was a part of it where BYU was like, why don't we just see where we are in the rankings first? Because if we're really high, then we definitely don't want to play you. We'll just have other teams lose in front of us, perhaps. And then we'll be able to get in. And we called this weeks ago. Even though I try to have an open mind about everything because we were constantly surprised in sports and, and even more so, we'll actually be having to surprised in, uh, in college football a lot lately. But that's the point. Like, don't 
sit here and ever say, hey, these are all the things that are going to happen and none of it's going to change because it always does change. So I try to have that open mind about it. But when you started going through and looking at schedules and just looking at the math of less games and weird starts and no non-conferences, it was going to be even harder to crash this playoff party considering I think a couple weeks ago we felt it was seven, maybe eight teams tops that were still even alive for this. And now BYU doesn't feel alive at all because their schedule isn't any good. Um, their argument would be, yeah, so what, we're in the 70s, Cincinnati's in the 60s, depending, we can find strength the schedules all over the place. But I'll tell you this, like it's 2020, nobody cares anymore. Figure it out. Like you may not want to follow certain protocols. Get a game, find a game, call up Cincinnati, make it happen. You're the ones wearing the shirts and the headbands that say any place, any time, any team. Okay, let's go. Because it's the only way it's going to happen. What do you have to lose? Losing out on a playoff spot that you're not going to get anyway? So go ahead and play somebody else because I know how mad you are about those 14 rankings. SEC guys, that's what I'll always ask too is whenever I hear these arguments, I go, are you rooting for your thing or are you rooting against geography? Because a lot of times you're just rooting against geography. Back in the day, going to the South, talking Pac-12, they think the Pac-12 is the Big East with a bigger ocean. Whenever I'd look at like Michigan man right now, you're losing your mind. What are you rooting for? Do you want Ohio State out or do you just hate the SEC or the fact that enough people haven't figured out you haven't won that many national titles, but you carry yourself like you're, I don't know, anyone, anyone good. Um, and that's what happens a lot. You're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Are you rooting? Like, what's your problem with the rankings? Is it because your team isn't in it or is it because some other teams are in it and you're just mad about the whole thing? And that's the whole point. We just get mad. We get mad all the time. What's your philosophy of government when it comes to the college football system? Uh, I'm for a dictatorship, okay? Um, I'm not down with an isocracy. I do not want everyone to feel like they have a chance when this is just different. Like, we don't have balanced schedules or anything any close to it. And I've used this argument in the past, even with some Power 5 schools. And we could sit here and say, hey, it should just be the Power 5 this w- the way it's going to be. I'd actually be okay with that. I just would be. I wouldn't have to hear from UCF all the time making up shirts and acting like they want something. Because your path is easier. And if your path is really easy, but then you're put into this group for a chance to win a national championship, it should be hard. This is supposed to matter. Okay? This is supposed to be really hard to do. And, you know, even the Iowa example I've always used, the Pat, like their regular season, and when you watch them play through the course of that season, you're like, wait, you want me to argue that they're supposed to have a chance to play for a national championship? And, and hell, they almost did because they played Michigan State pretty well. Um, at the end of that season of the Big Ten. So I'm not even beating up on Iowa. You know, you basically just mad lib the team. What's the resume? How have you looked? What's your strength of schedule? Where's your good win? What was your non-conference? And if all of those things are bad, then I don't want you in the playoff competing for a chance for a national championship. This shouldn't be sneaking in the back door to a party you weren't invited to. So this always leads to when we have this problem, uh, they got to expand this. You know what? We got to go to eight teams. Now, it does surprise me a little bit, maybe it shouldn't, that the conference commissioners, school presidents, everybody that was involved in these decisions said, hey, is there a way we can be kind of progressive, but also kind of fuck it up? Is there a way we could do that? So let's, instead of guaranteeing all five power five conferences here, redundant, a place at the table with a conference champion in the group, which I'm not even sure I'm for either, because if you did this over 20, 30 years, we're going to start having NFC East type teams, maybe win a college conference where now all of a sudden they have an automatic berth. And, you know, I don't know. I'm okay with it. But again, it kind of gets gets in the way of my dictatorship philosophy on college football. But yeah, I I kind of 
it's actually very classic college football that they would do that, that they would go, hey, we're sick of everybody. And this is exactly what happened. You go back and read all this stuff. And I remember while it was happening, the commissioner was just so sick of getting crushed by everybody for the BCS system and saying, oh, we only have two teams and we're always leaving somebody out. We're doing this. All right, we need to expand it. But let's not expand it too much. Let's make sure one of us gets screwed over in this room, potentially two, if we have two teams from the same conference. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's not be too progressive. And then Larry Scott's in the back going, is there any way we could have a eight-team playoff office space in Manhattan where it's just that's the college playoff committee office, you know, I don't know, financial district. And if we could just kind of have a place to zone out West Upper West Side apartment, I've already found a place on Zillow. So just let me know who I should ask for the check. Okay, so... People want eight because that's all we've seen now in sports is we just have more and more expansion. And by the way, I know very few people agree with me. All of this extra expansion sucks. I don't want eight teams in the college football playoff. And I'll get to that in a second. Baseball, yes, 2020 applies. So we have to remind ourselves of that. They had 16 playoff teams this year. Did you know that? Now, growing up, yes, four from each league was probably low. Um, we had 10 teams in 2019. I don't like the extra wild card game. I don't like when a team's like, well, we made the playoffs. I'm like, did you? The twins in 2017 went 85 and 77 and make that second wild card slot. And now they're playing like technically in a playoff game. And I don't like that. You know, it's almost like the coach in college basketball that says, well, I made the tournament. And you're like, well, you were in one of the playoff games that I'm supposed to call the first round. But you know what the first round is to me? The first day of the actual tournament. That one I can't even keep track of. So we have 16 teams in, in the MLB this year. And again, COVID rules apply. We had two teams, the Astros and Brewers, that were 29 and 31. So after 60 games, like, oh, by the way, you weren't even 500, but here's your playoff berth. Now, they were trying to do this to salvage television money, salvage the product. That's what a lot of this stuff is, the motivating factor. But it's probably not going to go anywhere because even Manfred said, and I don't know what the latest, latest on this is, that we're probably going to have 14 teams in baseball. So almost half of baseball. So we're going to go from 10 to 14 in just two years. And as much as I don't like the wild card game because you could win 90 games, be in the wild card game, and then out after one game after you just played 162, that seems to be kind of ridiculous. And again, I know that no one's with me on this. The NFL, we got an extra team now, of course, because of 2020. With 12 teams, we've had four times where a team had a losing record that made the playoffs. Two were from a very short season. So it hasn't happened a ton, but we may have it happen this year with the NFC East. I just, whether it's the division thing, that's fine. But why would we need to expand this to have like an eight and eight team in there? A nine and seven wild card tiebreaker team. You just played 16 games. You're a 500 team, and now you have a chance to play for a Super Bowl. Maybe that's what you like. Maybe you like the single elimination part of that. Maybe you like that from the NCAA tournament. But the basketball example, I think, is a good one because now we're expanding that for the playing tournament that everybody likes. But if I'm Dallas last year, I'm going, let me get this straight. I'm the seventh seed in the West. In a shortened season, I go 43 and 32. I'm seven and a half games ahead of Portland, the eighth seed, but I have to play an extra game or two to prove I'm in the playoffs? Why? Why am I doing that? Do you realize in the East, if you had had this expanded playoff thing, you would have a sub 30 win Wizards still alive for a chance at the playoffs? To what? Have your brains beat in by the one seed? 
Like, why don't we just play the 80 games? And that's what leads me back to the lack of expansion for college football. Yes, it's going to happen. Yes, it's about the money, stupid. All of this stuff is about the money. That's fine. That's cool. Whatever. Because all advancements all work out. Instant replay has been fun as I'm an hour four of an Auburn game on a Saturday going, look, I like Auburn skill guys, but I don't want to watch this for four and a half hours. Can we, can we get it moving here a little bit on these replays? If you look at the college football playoff and the lack of parity that we've had, this is actually pretty remarkable because I was like, man, it seems like the same teams. It has been. Six years of the college football playoff. We're on year seven now. Bama's been in five times. Oregon won. Florida State won. Ohio State three. Clemson five. Michigan State won. Oklahoma four, but they never get shit on like Notre Dame does, who lost once. Washington, Georgia, and LSU. That's 11 teams in six years. I went back and looked at the last six BCS title games. Nine teams. Nine. (laughs) Nine teams. Played for a national championship. Nine different programs, right? 12 slots, nine programs. 24 slots with the playoffs, 11 programs. The reason I don't want expansion is simple. Let's just go back. I could do this every single year. Let's go back one year. I mean, hell, Seth Greenberg used to lose his mind after Virginia Tech would go 18 and 17 and not beat anybody good. and be like, I can't believe I'm going to make it. Can't believe I didn't get to the tournament. I think we did that three years in a row. We're like, get Seth up. Last season, if you go to the conference championship rankings, so that's week 16, everybody's got a conference championship under their belt. LSU's the one seed, Ohio State, Clemson, and then Oklahoma at 12-1. and If we go to eight, that means we're going to start talking about teams like eight, nine, 10, and 11. No thanks to Utah. Penn State, no. Florida, no. This is a perfect one. Wisconsin. Wisconsin would have been the eighth seed in an expanded playoff in 2019. So you're telling me Wisconsin, who's 10 and three, hey, you know what? Nice season. Things worked out. It didn't quite go the way we wanted. Had Ohio State there in the first half. They're supposed to play LSU, who's put together one of the greatest single seasons in the history of college football. LSU has to play another game against a team that lost three times and have an equal shot at getting to the final four, say, of college football. Everybody's down with that? You want that to happen? Now, do you want it to happen because it gives you, selfishly, it gives you and your team a better chance to get in or because you think that's actually a better product? Because let's not kid ourselves. We both know what the answer to that is. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy, probably should call. It's like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient 
the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. Modelo knows it's not about whether you win or lose. It's about cheering louder, traveling further. It's about showing up no matter what. Because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. An ice-cold reward. Rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Been looking forward to this for a while. Josh Jamel joins us. I've got to meet him a few times over the years, and the Bill Lee movie was was really cool. Getting a chance to go up to the premiere of that small little uh, theater in L.A. and uh, we just started talking about this because I know you're you're friendly with Van Pelt as well, correct? Oh yeah, I've known SVP for a while. He's uh he's he's uh he's one of my favorite people. Yeah, he's a good guy. I think I have a good uh, good read on that with all the you, but you learned i think i think you knew or maybe i just moved to la when i first saw you and then you're like hey you, you moved here what's the deal i think there's always this level where i know there's a certain person that if he reaches out to me i'll be like all right what's his motivation here mm-hmm. and that's probably why i've hesitated to like follow up with mutual friends and be like what's josh doing this weekend so <laughs> i'm i'm being respectful of it but i don't want you to think that i because there's like vince vaughn's a neighbor and we have a couple mutual friends and guys are like if you run into him i'm like yeah i've seen him but i don't run after him to go hey remember me from lsu What's up, man? Like, remember, remember the car wash? Go ahead. Did he go to LSU? No, he didn't. But he's got a friend, a friend of mine that I've known from the LSU stuff for over 10 years. And it's, okay. it's like Vince's right-hand guy. And so uh-huh. he'll, the one weekend they were together, he sent me a text. He's like, are you in Manhattan Beach? I go, well, yeah, but I'm not there this weekend. He's like, oh, I'm over Vince's. And it was like, uh, uh, it was tough. Well, you, well, well I, did, I didn't know that you had moved to LA. So that's good to know. We got to watch some football or something. And I'm done now. So let's, we, we seriously, we got to do that. All right. Sounds good. Sounds play some good. Backyard but, games. Yeah. So that's, um, that's the movie that's out. There's a lot of different stuff that I want to talk about, but buddy games comes out this week. Mm-hmm. This is great. Cause it's like you became famous enough and powerful enough to just make a movie about you and your friends. Is that essentially what this is? Well, I, I wish, I wish I could frame it that way, but no, that's not the, I had to go through You don't even know how many hoops we had to jump through to get this thing. Uh, even off the ground. The fact that we're here right now talking about the movie out is nothing short of a miracle because, man, I mean, I've been doing this for a while now and and I knew that it was a, a lot of work, but to have to, but to go through it from the inception all the way through now the, through the promotion has been one of the most difficult things I've ever done, but also one of the most, you know, it, it's it's been a huge learning experience and also one of the most fun things I've ever done. And I'm proud of this movie, as crazy as it is. I really am. I can't wait for people to see it. All right, so give us the uh, the backstory and then ultimately what the movie's about. So I have a group of friends, some of which I've known since kindergarten. Uh, like, we go that far back. A lot of us, you know, grade school and then seventh, eighth grade, but we go way, way back. So these guys know everything about me. And every year for the last 20 years or so, we've done this buddy games, this this weekend, the third weekend of August, where we get together and we play uh, everything from ping pong to wiffle ball to golf to, you know, shooting each other with paintballs in our underwear and helmets. 
And, and, you know, it, we were 40 mid forties now and, and still, you know, revert back to that, that, that 15 year old self. And I think that's great. You know, we're all still kids at heart and I think it's okay to let that, let that loose once in a while. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have said powerful enough. Cause I think the one joke that I've learned out here is that once you understand the movie and television industry, you can't believe anything ever gets made. <laughs> Yeah, from, it, from inception it, it, to like sales to oh we love this and all the bullshit of like yeah. oh this guy's attached this guy's interested once you're in it you go oh my like how does I can't believe any movies ever get ever get made like yeah. it's crazy yeah. how hard it is yeah the amount of horse trading and I had to do you know and you know every and every day even you know before shooting during shooting and now after you're constantly you know you want something but you can't get it so you got to find a different way to get get something similar you know it's like a it's an it's an ever moving target, and you to make a good movie is so hard because there's so many things that have to come together. You have to have a script, you got to have a great cast, and then even afterwards, you got to make sure that it's edited correctly and marketed. You know, there's just so many things. If one of those things falls off, you know, the, the movie fails. So uh, I understood that, and I knew how hard it was going to be, but I didn't really quite uh, understand the extent that I would have to go to get this thing done. What was directing it like? It was, that was the fun part. The directing was fun because, and even the prep, I love the prep. It was what I was scared of was, do I know what lens to put on the camera to get this kind of shot? I didn't know all that stuff. I wish I had paid more attention as I, you know, as I came up and I do pay a lot more attention to that stuff now, but you know, I just made sure that I had a good group around me. I had a DP that I could, you know, tell him what I wanted and how, and he would help me figure out all the lensing, whatever, you know, it was just, yeah, I knew enough to know that I didn't have to know everything. And so, yeah, the worst, the hardest part was the acting because there's so many other things going on that I'd forget that I had to go on camera next. And I'd be like, Oh, shit, my mind? okay. Uh, okay. Let's go. And so it's just a completely different experience as far as being an actor in the movie, for sure. Is it easy to remember your lines when you write it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also I didn't, I didn't hold these guys. I mean, I didn't write scripture here. This was, this was, uh, I, I had, I had guys that I knew could improvise and could, could, you know, play real and could also play comedy. And so I just gave them parameters. Just this is what we need to accomplish in this scene, say the words or say something better. I don't care. Best idea wins. And that's really how, how my approach to it was because that's what I love to be able to do. I, I, I follow the script, but I also like to be able to, if I have an idea to be able to go for it. And that's what these guys did. So Swartzen's in it, who I've always loved. I've loved to stand up every time he's a character in something, it's like a rewindable scene. He just like, I want to watch it again. Mm -hmm. um, we have a very limited DM relationship. We were DMing about, I think a T wolves game one night. So that yeah. was, you know, my, did he ever pull you aside and go, Josh, like this is cool and all, you know, my not, but you know, Sandler usually like we're in Hawaii and stuff. <laughs> yeah he he nick is the most fearless dude i've ever met you know this guy has zero shame and that's what we needed to play this the, the character he plays in this movie he's just absolutely fearless and shameless um but yeah i mean the guy's worked with you know he's been doing this a long time too and he was actually the first one that came on board and and would champion this thing from the beginning. So uh, he's fantastic in this movie. Yeah, he's just he's just great. You know, it's it's easy to say, oh, he's he's this crazy guy or he's wild. But 
I mean, there's some comedic beats that he'll have and all the stuff that he does. You'd be like, wait, what did he just say? Like, yeah. there's a stupid line I was watching the other day because when I was prepping for this, I got caught in a sports and wormhole. And he just had this dumb line and these people were like, how are you feeling? And he's like, oh, A plus. And it was so stupid, <laughs> but he just thought of it. And I'm like, that's just funny. It's just funny yeah. to say like, how are you? Oh, I'm A plus. Yeah. And of but course you, it's him. But yeah. if you or I said that, we'd be decent. <laughs> yeah, it'd be but terrible. Not, some no. people get like this, this pass. He can say some stuff. You're like, I can't believe he just said that. If I said that, I'd get, you know, sued, but not Nick Swartzen. I don't know how he gets away with it. I think you just have to be you. I have this this theory about just anybody that's public, and it, it's it's called the Charles Barkley theory, where if you're Barkley long enough, then it doesn't really matter what you say. They just accept it. So yeah. Barkley can say whatever he wants, and everybody applauds him because he was fearless enough to keep saying whatever he thought, but you just keep yeah. being you long enough. It's almost like everybody has to adjust to you eventually, and some yeah. people actually find a way to do that, and I think it's very few people. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. I know a few people like that, and it's just like, wow, that take the, the balls it takes to say some of the things that comes out of your mouth. But you know what? You're right, Barkley. Swartzen is one of those guys. It's like, yes. wow. <laughs> Never realized Swartzen and Barkley had so much in common. <laughs> so for going home for you, I mean, you talk about, you know, where you're from. And I think it's always one of those things when you're from an area like, you know, the Dakotas um, and your connection to it and, and college and everything else. And, you know, I love the backstory of, of working. You were working for your father or you were working construction. I, I think it could have been my stepdad. Both? Yeah. Stepdad. It was okay. my, stepdad. my stepdad had a construction company, but the, I didn't really work for him. I mean, I did a, a few things, mostly sweeping up the shop and stuff, but you know, from the time my, he married my mom in 88 and you know, all the way through high school, I never really worked for him, but it wasn't until I moved to California that I started learning how to run like equipment and doing actual construction work. Cause like I could have been really good at this by the time I came out here and probably made a lot more money, but uh, yeah. But there's a pride there that is, I, I think whenever you're from somewhere that's small, there's just this different connection um, and, and it's constant for you. And I know you have businesses back there and everything, but is there, is there a part of that that makes you made you more normal for this transition to something that's very, very challenging? Like I always have this feeling that sometimes people from different parts of the country, even though they're not wired for the the fast speed of an LA or a New York city in a way can be more successful because people are thrown off on just how, I don't want to say simple is the wrong word because it sounds insulting, but just kind of a, a real easiness to them that a lot of people in these industries don't have. Yeah, I think there is a lot of truth to that. I do, I do uh, give a lot of the credit to my these my friends. I got a, I got that this close knit group of friends who keep you firmly planted on the ground. And if you if you, if you go any any wayward, you hear it. Uh, but yeah, they're all supportive. But they all you know they don't treat me any different than anybody else would. They don't. I, we get together, and I'm just one of them, you know. And so I, I love that because it does keep me accountable, and it does keep me grounded and my family you know and the people from north dakota are very um sturdy you know there's there's nothing there's nothing fancy about it they don't they don't brag they don't you know they don't get too high or too low and and that's what i love about the people from where i'm from is that there's just you know there's an ease to them and they don't they don't uh they don't make things more difficult or or, or fantasized than they need to be so the friend part of this, give me the breakdown, because I know, and you've explained this before, there's stuff in the movie with the buddy games that is not 
there's some creative license here. Uh, I think you explained yeah. it once. It's like, look, we can't do two hours of go-kart footage to keep it realistic. No. You know, like people no. forget like, hey, write some stuff in there that actually is going to be worth watching for two hours. So yeah. um, give us a sense of some of the stuff that's, that's real and then the extremes you take it to to make it a movie. Well, the stuff that's real is is what we actually do is it's it's it, some years are more competitive than others. We like it when it is because there's there's actual brackets and you, you know okay you're on the how many guys is it twenty every year it's twenty and you're that close with twenty guys from home yes that's incredible yeah, and there's, there's there's other guys that want to come but you know we have like a there's like a there's like a there's like a velvet rope you know, not really, but you know, there, there are other guys that we, we could come, but there's just, you know, there's, there's a core group that we've had. There's actually about 12 or 13 of us that have, that grew up together. And then there's a couple that have come on through the years, but um, yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's game. It's regular games. And then there's always one or two really ridiculous ones. Like this year we had this paintball thing where you'd stand 20 yards back from a guy. He had to stand there in his underwear with a helmet in his, in his underwear and a nut cup. And if you could hear the, the of the paintball gun. And if you flinched, you lose a point. And, and, and depending on where you got hit in the body, it, it, you got points for shooting. So, I mean, it's not, you know, it, it, we're not, we're not, we're not going to win any um, Nobel peace prizes over here for, for, you know, anything we're doing for the world, but it is, it is, it is good. Conflict it's, resolution. I bet no, though. Cause I no, mean, maybe, who's, maybe. who's keeping track of this while you guys are getting shit faced. Well, it's usually Bob. Bob keeps track of all the points. So there's, there is a point system. Um, and we do, we do reflect that in the movie there. Now the movie version of this is much more heightened. We did take creative license for sure, but the spirit of it is still there. So it's like, uh, what do we have that did come out? Did you see the movie yet? No, no, I, I'm oh, just going to, you, yeah. you, you got to watch it tonight. It's, I'm going to watch it. Don't worry. It's really fun. Um, it, it, you know, there's, there's one, there's one in particular. It was probably the hardest thing in the movie to shoot too, is there's this, I saw this Japanese game show and they had this, this thing that was similar to this. And they, and so what we did is we put, we built this dome and inside the dome were six holes big enough for your head to fit through. And so these guys would, I've seen this clip. Yeah. Go so ahead. we have yeah, the yeah. strapped to the head and, and I, and I released this Komodo dragon and the last one to keep their head above board wins. And that's, that's just great. But it's hilarious because, you know, anybody watching that would be like, I would never, I could never, no way I would never do that. And so there's that, and there's just all kinds of crazy other antics that we, we did. There's a whole laxative scene where you got to, you know, pound a little bottle of laxative and, get a girl to buy you a drink, get her on the dance floor and get her to get, kiss you on the lips. And if you can do that before you, you yeah. know, let loose, you win that competition. <laughs> it's highbrow so, stuff, Ryan. Right. Well, see, this is the thing that I did I read some reviews. Me. I read a couple reviews <laughs> and you know, you're like, did the person, does it bother you when you read the review and you're like, look, does this person not get that? What we were trying to do? Like we, we weren't, we weren't trying to go for, you know, like the Oscar this year. On this I didn't movie. make this for some crotchety crit, uh, critic in New York City. I made it for, you know, normal people. Uh, I don't think I've ever had anything reviewed well my entire career. So I try not to listen. It does sting a little bit, but, you know, for me, when I, I don't, I don't even watch, I don't look, if I see something that wasn't reviewed well, I usually like it. It's usually my, I'd like the inverse sort of reaction to what they did. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, and I knew going in that when when we wrote this thing, we we're gonna okay, we we're gonna get beat up, but who cares? It's a good time. By the way, that's that's not accurate because Think Like a Dog was was highly regarded. 
And I'm not, I'm not being an asshole about it. I was, was I it? was actually, yeah, I watched a couple of clips of that. And then I go, how did people, it, it did all right. Well, that's their type of movie. You know, they like, they like. People love dogs. You can't really lose with dogs. They're very, they're, they're like, it's like a mob mentality. They, they, they're all like a little click and they, you know, they've never created anything. So they're angry. That's why they write. That's why they critique movies. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't pay much attention to it. Hey, trust me. There's days where I'm like, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So go on Rotten Tomatoes, folks, and start voting away. We get, we got to get this up. Um, I want to go back to to what's what you'd said because you know I am, am very close with still a very big group of friends from college. I think it's pretty rare. You know, we're on a 25 year run of of mm-hmm. you know normally we would get together, um, and it, and it's a pretty incredible thing, and it makes me miss them at times because I've pursued so many other things. Mm-hmm. So for you like your buddies have probably invited you to all sorts of stuff. And then you're like, I actually have got the Grammys. Sorry. You know, like there's, there's probably been times where you've had to maybe work a little bit harder with your position to, to make sure that that relationship is still the same. I mean, how tough has that been? Yeah, there, there are things that come up, but they all understand. But at the same time, I work hard to go see them because those guys truly keep me grounded. You know, that, that, that's sort of my compass in a lot of ways because they're all great dudes. They're, they're, they're family guys. They're, you know, there's most of them are successful. Some of them not as much, but you know what? They're all, we're all just, you know, friends at the end of the day. And I think that if you can have a group like that, that sort of looks out for each other, and that's really what this movie is about too, is that, you know, everybody's had, everybody has their ups and downs every, you know, and, and when one of us falls there, the rest of us pick them up, you know? And I think that that's what this movie really is about. That's the main underlying theme. And then all the hijinks that happened from that are just for fun. So when it first starts blowing up for you, though, you go out to California, and I, I know you've told the story a million times. So feel free to make it not as boring as you want to. As, as a you know, unfortunately, I know everybody's fascinated with this. Oh, he played college quarterback, and then he decides, you know, I'm going to chase the next girlfriend out to California. I'm going to work. I'm going to do all these different things. But when it first starts to kind of take off, the first thing I would do is I'd want to come out and visit you. And be like, is this amazing? Like, where are we going? Like, what are we doing? Are we going to the Viper Room with Josh Duhamel because he's on a soap opera? What were those early years like when you're like, oh my, like this is actually working out here? Uh, you mean as far as them coming to visit and stuff like that? Just, just you in that because I don't care who you are when it's it's not new money but it's new fame. Yeah, it's it's gonna yeah. fuck with you a little bit, right? Yeah, but it's also fun. We're all sort of in the, in on the joke together. We're, they all know that I'm like. Dude, I don't know how I got here, but let's go, you know, and I'm just, they knew that I was just faking my way through it. So we all were kind of in on the joke together. And we, and I did, I, I get to do a lot of really fun things, whether it's a, you know, an NBA basketball game or, you know, a, a concert, whatever it is, you get, you get a chance to do some really fun stuff. And I love to take them with me because it is, that's part of the fun for me is to let, you know, my friends or family come and and enjoy it with me. So when you first like, is is it the soap opera? Is it, is it Tad Hamilton? What's the first thing where you felt like, okay, like this is real. And even though these careers can be very delicate, like yeah. this feels like it's really going to take off and I, this is who I'm going to be. Uh, well, I still haven't quite got to that point where I'm comfortable. You still haven't. <laughs> oh no, man. I still have to hustle hard. Uh, because you're right. It is a very delicate you know, it can, it can go as come as it, it, it can leave as quickly as it comes. And, and you got to keep pushing. And, but I do remember, I mean, I remember going, walking down, I was on all my children in New York city 
And I think Bob was with me. I forget who was with me, but it was a couple of my friends. And somebody asked for a photo. And I was like, what? Yeah, I can take a photo with you. They recognized me from this show. And I was just like, holy shit. They, they, they've, they, they see me. On the, you know, it was just a complete, and I'll never forget that. I think I still even have, it was like a Polaroid. I think, some, I think one of us had a photo of it too or something. I forget. But um, that was when it, I guess, first started. I had some success on all my children. And then left that three years after three years and went to Las Vegas and, and then, uh, you know, started doing some movies and, you know, it's, it's been, it's been good. I've been very blessed and I've been able to continue working. Um, and, and, you know, again, it's, you, you just never know. I just want to keep pushing. I would guess, and, and my thing is not nearly as, as cool as yours, but I've can, if I, if I take the, the big view, you know, whatever cliche you want to use and step back and go, Hey, look what you've accomplished. Like, this is pretty incredible. The odds of this are, are extremely low. Um, but I don't ever think that way. Like I'll always look at like, yeah, but look what this guy's got, or, or I heard about this new deal or look at this opportunity. And sometimes I'll think, well, you should just chill the fuck out. Or you like, if I did, then I wouldn't even be where I'm at now because I thought that way the entire way through. I think from the outside, people could look at Josh and say, oh, you know, he, why would, but do you look at other, you know, leading men and think, Hey, when am I going to get one of those roles? Yeah. I hate Ryan Reynolds, man. That guy just, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love him. I love him. And if I could trade with anybody, it'd probably be him. I just, I just love that dude. Um, uh, is this a tough yeah. question? I, I'm no, not trying not, to like, <laughs> no, no, I'm trying to think of there are, there are certain guys that are always that you're trying, you're, that's what I mean. I'm always hustling. I'm trying. Right, Cause I don't, I don't mean it as like, Oh, that guy deserves, but I'd imagine that's kind of how you're wired. Like, I think you have to almost be to even get to this point where, you know, I don't know if you go, I can't believe DiCaprio got that role, but you know, I'm just, I'm yeah. just wondering like, where, do you have a ceiling for yourself? Do you feel like, okay, we're getting there or, you know, yeah, and, and that's the beauty of being able to do this is it's not like a sporting career where after your mid-30s, you're done and you got to sort of reinvent what your life is going to be. This is something that you can continue to to work at and get better and better. Um, and, and that's what I'm trying to I, I Truly, I believe that if, if the work is good, you'll continue working. And if you show up for people and if you, you know, you're not a dick, uh, that keeps you in the game. But then it's about like, you know, bettering your game. For me, I'm just constantly trying to get better at it. Uh, the the other thing that I would say is that coming out, I didn't. If you have a backdrop, if you have a plan B, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. If you're if you're trying to pursue a career in this business, you have to be all in with no, with no safety net. Otherwise, you'll probably end up taking that safety net. So for me, I left. I was going to go to dental school. I got my degree in biology. I was going to go to dental school. That's what I told my mom I was coming to California to do, but I was really just sort of coming out here to see if I could, you know, dip my toes in the water and see what happened. Uh, and, you know, secretly sort of pursued this career. And then, and then sort of the, the whole, I just kind of forgot that let the whole dental school thing go. So then I had nothing else. It's like, what am I going to do? I can't, you know, I can barely log on to my computer. I'm not going to get a job doing anything, you know, where it takes, you know, any kind of talent. I need to go do something else. So this was it. This was it. And it's still it. So I still have that same mentality that I have to keep pushing and keep, you know, making opportunities for myself. And that's, I think, the mentality you kind of have to have if you're going to try to go all the way. Yeah, the safety net thing I hear all the time. It's like the only way it's going to work is if it's the only way. Yeah, that's it. 
It's just, yeah. it's just not going to work. And if you're sitting there, you know, checking up uh, on dental school applications, then maybe was there a moment early on where you go, Hey, this isn't going to work. Like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm out. Yeah, of course. Of course. I did some modeling early on and I was so bad at it. I was like about a year of that. And, and I was like, what am I doing? This is a dead end, man. I'm not. Is it because in person you're not as good looking? Huh? Is it because in person you're not as good? <laughs> I'm wearing a lot of makeup right now. Uh, no, but it was, you know, it, it was just something that I was never comfortable with. I wanted to go, I needed to have something to do. And and how I sort of transitioned from that quickly, I needed to, or I was going to definitely have to go another route. Was I, want, I started taking these commercial acting classes and had to convince the agent that I was with, the modeling agent that I was with, I was like, let me go audition for this. Like, no, no, that's for actors. I was like, okay. Now I've had this, that fire at all, I'll show you. And so, so they were typecasting you as a model who wasn't even good enough to be in commercials. Right. Right. At first. And then, so then I, I you know, I, I'm a bit of a, I'm not much of a rule follower. Uh, and so I like to, you know, and I've always sort of had a chip on my shoulder. And I think that that's, that sort of fueled me to prove that I wasn't just that. And it's, you know, it's kind of been my whole mantra all the way through is just to, there's the people that I, you know, I need to prove things to, you know, I don't know how healthy that is. I should probably talk through that with some therapist, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's just that, you know, it, it, there's a, there's a competitive fire for sure that you have to have. Hey man, I look, I, I get it. And I think it's probably why you're sitting here now. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any way you get to this part of your story without having that where you're like, I can't, I'm only a model. Like, give me a break. Yeah. You know who else is highly competitive? Bradley Cooper. I played, we have, we have some mutual friends, Dax, Dax Shepard. I met Bradley through Dax Shepard who's in this movie. And I remember playing, we were shooting, we were shooting one. I met Dax on a movie called when in Rome and with, with K bell, Kristen bell. And, and, Bradley came to visit and we were at, we were at the director's house when I had this ping pong table. And that dude was so competitive when it came to ping pong. I was like, that's why he's, he's, you know, he's a Philly kid. He's a tough, he's got, that dude's got edge. And that's to me why he, obviously he's super talented, but it's that edge that he has that is making him so successful. In my opinion, I have a friend who wrote a feature and met with him and he's like, you'd be perfect for it. He's like, you're just not, you're just not a leading guy right now. It's before he'd blown up. And, and oh, really? apparently, apparently Cooper was like, yeah, no, you're right. Like, I'm just not at that level. <laughs> well, he is now. <laughs> yeah. Now I don't know if you'd call him back. This episode is brought to you by Hulu plus live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV, stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu plus live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Okay, what? This is kind of funny because I just interviewed Cole Hauser recently. Okay. And I don't know if you know him at all, um, but I, I watched some of his interviews and I was like, man, he doesn't seem to enjoy this process all that much. But then I was watching just all between you and him this week, I was watching all these different things that you do to promote it. And most of these interviews, I, I'm not trying to be that, but they're so bad. And, and I get how almost 
I would think on your side of the industry, you just go, here we go again. Like, I'll give you an example, right? Now, granted, it's KTLA, which I can't believe now that I live out here, that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. um, some of those shows and some of the, the people on, like, I you constantly think it's a skit, which is why Saturday Night Live has made fun of it for so often. So it's Cole Hauser and then his love interest in Yellowstone, played by this actress named Kelly. Yeah. Um, and in one of the first episodes, it may even be the pilot, you know, she's naked and she gets in a horse trough and, you know, mm -hmm. she's, she's just showing how wild she is. The, you know, clearly the pilot is introducing everybody's characters and they want to show all this dramatic part of it. Cause I, I really like the show. And so Hauser, who probably wasn't that into it to begin with, they're doing a side-by-side -side zoom, <laughs> which makes it even worse with everything yeah. that's going on now. And then back at KTLA studios, it's, a, it's an older anchor. And he's like, okay, Kelly, I'd like to start with you. He's like, you know, Brad, uh, who works on our show, is a huge fan of you and that scene in the horse trough. And that was it. There was no question. It was just like, hey, <laughs> horny Brad. <laughs> really so, go. So the reason I even bring that up is how often when you do these promotional things where you go, that was worth it. And I'm not trying to hope that happens here, but I just – there's, it's just, there's no way it should be consistently as bad as it is. And it just, I know it's part of it, but it's just weird how bad people are at asking the questions consistently. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you, you, you don't fall into that category by the way, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it often depends on how interested they are in what in you or the project, you know, you can usually tell pretty quickly if they don't like the movie by how crappy the interview is because they don't really have anything interesting. Like, so, um, how's uh what are your plans like for thanksgiving and like they sort of avoid the elephant in the room but if they're into it it makes it much easier you know and 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 you know for me too if i'm into the project it's easy to talk about all day long the problem with these junkets and and this is they they are painful at times because you're doing them all day long every day for a few, couple to three days it becomes very repetitive. And, and if you feel like they get stale, or if you feel the actor or the, or the reporters stale, it's probably because they've been doing it for six hours straight or something. Yeah. That's the other thing is that the, uh, the efficiency of it doesn't make any mm -hmm. sense. It'd be like asking somebody to play in a football game for like two straight days. And right. then you're just like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I don't, I don't even know what I just said in that last interview. I, I got to imagine too, like, and I'm, I'm not really even trying to, but because of, you and and your personal life like how how weird is it because your personal life has been out there so much that people feel comfortable just hey you know joining us now it's josh and you know he's here for this award show so tell us about your personal life like that that's gonna suck well i learned i learned a lesson with that with with my last relationship uh and it wasn't anything that i could really control we just you know we were a very public couple and and it was I, before, before I even knew what was happening, it was just like out there and, and, and uh, you're right. I didn't like it. And I'm in a relationship now and I keep it very private because I don't need people to know. And I don't want to put her through that. And, you know, and I don't want to put my son through it. I try to keep him out of it as much as I can too. I'm not, you know, super strict about that. You know, if there's something funny and I think it's worth, you know, showing or whatever, I, I'm not like no cameras on my son at all. It's like, yeah, right. Cause that's the other thing is that everybody's it's almost accepted, but I could see how you guys are like, no, I kind of want to keep it private. But then it's like, well, if I just sh shut off everybody to me, then am I doing this right? You know, like it's a really tough balance when I think you're at a guy like yours level. Yeah. You know, it, it, there needs to, you need to maintain some level of privacy so that they buy you in whatever 
role you're playing. You know, I don't want them to know everything about it. That's why social media is tough for me. I don't like to post. I always feel like I'm give, giving a little bit of my soul away every time I post something. Um, but at the same time, it's one of the necessary evils in today's you know world. So, uh, you know, it's all about just striking a balance, everything in moderation, including moderation, like Bill Lee said. You were great in that, by the way. And Thank what you. I loved about it is because it was independent and you guys really kind of get to flex a little bit more. Um, if you want to give me, so I don't get any of this wrong, feel free to interrupt, but you know, I don't know how many people saw it. You were great as him. You were very relaxed, even though he's such an odd character. I have some odd connection to him because the, back when I was bartending in Vermont, before anything happened for me, I lived above a restaurant where the owner of the restaurant was best friends with Bill Lee. So Bill Lee was in Craftsbury, Vermont, and he would hang out with this owner of the restaurant all the time. And the stories were legendary. Yeah, man, I can imagine yeah, and you play them, and I, I imagine most any actor wants some of those more dramatic roles to kind of show some things off. Like, you're great in Transformers looking like an action hero, but does the actor always kind of want to drift towards, let me do the artsy thing, even though it doesn't pay the bills as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's just fun to, to I mean, that's why I do this. You get to make play make-believe. Uh, and, you know, a guy like Bill Lee is such an eccentric character. There's no way I could really do him justice as hard as I, I, I tried. But, um, but yeah, it was a fun character to play because the guy is just a complete free spirit. Um, he lives in Vermont, right? I, yeah, I don't know if he's there year-round, year-round. But Craftsbury is actually a really funny story. I don't know that I've ever shared it before. But when I was a senior in college, we had heard that if there was a sex education class at UVM. Right. It was so stupid. Um, well, I shouldn't say that because the professor was terrific, but it was basically like, hey, everybody takes this class. But then later on, you could be a TA and you would have these these younger groups of students come to your house and you would just kind of talk about. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like, I can't even believe we're saying this now. But talk about what? Like their sex lives and, and just, you know, where. It's it's actually as I say this concept out loud, it's insane. <laughs> Don't you have so, to have some kind of a medical license to do that? <laughs> no, back then you just had to be a senior who had already taken the course. So you would just go through, and it was another three credits awesome. to be a TA, and you really had to fuck it up to like not get a good grade in that. So that's yeah. why a bunch of us did it, and so a bunch of us went into the this this TA program, but we had to go on a retreat. And for that weekend, we had to sign like all these papers that we wouldn't drink or we wouldn't do anything. I think every guy brought his own handle to this lake. And we spent three days in the wilderness of this little like hippie compound in Craftsbury, Vermont. And we all learned about each other over these three days. And then one of my friends who's from Boston was making Jack and Gingers in the bathroom the entire time. And he was getting so mad because a bunch of the other kids had no idea that like five of us were drinking the entire weekend. And he was like, I'm going to kill that kid if he keeps taking the ginger ale. So um, (laughs) anyway, that's where Bill Lee lives. And it's this beautiful lake. We did the whole canoeing thing. Unfortunately, one guy had the rope swing deal where, you know, sometimes guys that are really heavy and don't do arms do the rope swing. The physics of it don't really work out. So he ate a bunch of canoes. Again, this is a long time ago. I'm not even sure the story might be the lowest point of the podcast at this point, but I just know where Bill lives. And I know that it was like it was like in the morning, people be walking around kind of these mini Stonehenge things like pointing up to some spirits. So I think Bill fit in perfectly. That sounds awesome, actually. That, that story went a different direction than I expected it to. Well, there's, I, I yeah, could, I love, I love getting out there in the woods and just sort of, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a spiritual experience for me. That's why I love going to my cabin. 
That's now the what, cabin's what Minnesota? Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, I just don't know that area all that well. I've I've been lucky enough to be invited to a few compounds there in uh, Montana. Oh yeah, it's, that's, that's a good spot too. Yeah, I don't know if you spend any time. Minnesota. Minnesota's very woodsy, very lake, a lot of lakes, as you know, land of ten thousand of them. Uh, but yeah, that's that's sort of my sanctuary. I love getting out there and just digging in the dirt. Would you rather live there than L.A.? Yeah, yeah, right. But you just, sure. you probably wouldn't get as many roles. No, no, no. But I do plan to spend more and more time there. As I'm, I actually built a cabin out there this year. It's almost done. I had these two little spots these two little like shacks basically that I've sort of made into they're livable now but i never could never have any more than like three or four people out there at a time so i actually built a, a cabin this year and it's and it's uh it's just the best man i love it sounds like a sequel to the notebook or something should gosling be worried it's a great you know what it is it's a great respite for covid no matter. are you building it or are you did you design it or god, no. god man no, i can okay, right. like i said i can barely turn on my computer so I, what's this rugged construction guy? Turn I'm, a, I, I'm, good, I'm good. I'm a good grunt laborer and I'm, a, and I'm good on like tractors and, and, you know, excavators and things bobcats. like that. Bobcats. Are you going to get a bobcat out there? I got a couple bobcats. I got a, tra- I got See, a bobcat tractor and uh, I had a tool cat that I'd been trading in for the little skid steer, the track skid steer. I told my friends if I got to like a real level of fuck you money, I would have a place somewhere and I'd buy a bobcat with every single accessory oh, and yeah. I would just have a little stretch of dirt that I just work on. And oh, it, it does it, nothing. I would just, I would tear off the top and then just kind of like get in it a little bit and then move oh, around and I'd be like, are you actually doing anything? I'd be like, I'm just working on my area. Yeah, but that's, but that's, it's addictive, man. Have you ever been in a bobcat? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I love them. I sit there and play on that thing for hours. And, and just moving stuff that shouldn't be moved. It's no, great. I mean, I'm developing, I'm like clearing stuff. I'm building, you know, mostly just clearing because I'm building this big grassy area and I'm, you know, there's, there's so many trees and so many rocks and you're just con- there's a million things to do. And I think that's why I love it. It's just, I, I go there and I'm never without something to do. Yeah. No, I love, I really like where I live now. Um, and I hadn't really done much in Connecticut because I always thought I was going to move. So I didn't really invest in anything. I didn't really, you know, think about, Hey, this is my forever house. Um, but where I live in Manhattan beach, like you don't even think of having a yard. Uh, that's something I definitely miss because growing up, we were constantly yeah. working on that stuff. Um, all right, let me, let me finish up here with you a few things. So one of the reasons I brought up that whole dumb KTLA story was that what are the things that you're definitely really sick of being asked about? One of the things I'm sick of being asked yeah, about. Yeah, the most. And we'll leave the personal stuff out of it because I don't want to keep going down that road. I'm just talking about like whenever anybody does the Ashton Kutcher thing, you're like, oh, you read you know Wikipedia. One, thing, one question that I hate is when they say, so tell me about all the pranks you guys played on each other on set. It's like, there's not really that many pranks. I mean, there are, but it's no different than you know anybody else. So you got to come up with some like crazy prank. It almost feels like when you're on set, it's like, okay, we should do a prank here so we can talk about it when we're promoting the movie. Uh, that's the one question that always drives me crazy because I never have a real answer. You should just make a fake one up. That's what you got to do now. I will. Yeah. I will. I'm trying to think of a good one. I, I'm not wearing any pants right now. You want to see? I'm kidding. I personally <laughs> don't care, but that'll end up being the breakout for this. I meant to tell you too, that's some bad news, at least for one of my friends who is female. She's like, wait, you're interviewing him today? I was like, yeah. She's like, find out his deal. So I think we just found out your deal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to follow up on that with her. But but, but tell her thank you. 
Yeah, I think she's going to be a little disappointed, but I think we can all understand. All right, so let's let's finish this way. What is the thing that you hope in like a couple of years where you say, all right, this is what I did. This is the kind of movie I was in. This is the kind of person I worked with, this kind of role. Like, what's the thing that you want to do that you haven't done yet? Well, this was one of them. I, I mean, these are my favorite types of movies. These, you know, the Fairley Brothers, Todd Phillips, Judd Apatow type movies. I just love. I love those movies where they go, they really push the envelope. Uh what would I like to do? Um, I want to continue directing for sure. I really, really enjoyed it. You know, I love the idea of being able to sort of craft and shape the story you want to tell. Uh, but it probably won't be something as crazy as this. It'll be something in a different. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a script that I read about this, uh, this female pitcher back in the '30s that struck out Murderer's Row. Uh, well, she was the, she was the one and, and after that, she sort of got blackballed and that's what started, you know, that's where a league of their own came from. There's a great story about that, that I'd, I've been looking at that would be really fun. I knew about that as a little kid. Cause you always heard about this woman who struck out yeah. Babe Ruth. Yeah, yeah. Jackie Mitchell. Yeah. Um, so, you know, something like that. I'd just like to keep doing this and just, you know, I never really know. Uh, and by the way, Ryan, that's one of the questions that I can't stand. Like, what do you want to do next? I'm like, I don't know. You just asked one of them. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kind of was like, yeah. I, because I, I really, figured, I, yeah. Honestly, I never really know because you, you didn't until you read it and it speaks to you in some way. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I just. Do you read scripts and it's like less than 10% even remotely interesting to you? I, 10% I, I, of, the, of the scripts? Yeah. Do, I, yeah. do you spend a lot of time on it? Like, tell me about that part of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I look closely at all, you know, it, the ones that come through and, and I would say about one in 10 or something that you are really attracted to. Not the other ones are bad. It's just, you may not be feeling like I, I would suck in that role or that's not for me or, you know, yeah, Dr. Like, Dre straight out of Compton. Not a good yeah, film. I, I couldn't, I couldn't play Dr. Dre. Uh, I, I, I played uh, the detective in the Biggie Tupac thing. And I tried Which I love because I read the book too, by that, that officer. Well, yeah, I loved it too. It was, it was, it was good, but you know, I auditioned for Biggie, but I ended up getting Greg Kading. So, you know, you don't win them all. I like <laughs> that you're challenging your range. <laughs> I do, but, uh, I don't think that that would have gone over well. I think one of my favorite fake social media things was that Brad Pitt was going to play Bob Marley in a biopic and oh, Twitter. I mean, people thought it was real because there was a picture of Brad Pitt with dreads and they're like, are you serious? This is they happening. Serious. People were upset. <laughs> but the picture is incredible. Like I think it's so. The picture is so great because he, he's dressed like Bob Marley with 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 um, extensions in. It looks like it's a real promotional photo for this upcoming oh, movie. That. And then it, it was it was taken so seriously that people started writing columns about it. And oh, why? Yeah. yeah, and you were like, whoa. Um, okay, buddy games available now. Josh Dumel, honestly, uh, of all the guys over the years. He's been the most genuine uh, whenever we had him with ESPN and doing all these different things and the chance to hang out a little bit at that premiere, man. It, it meant a lot. So it's really cool that you were able to spend the time with us here, too. So let's connect again. All right. Of course. Of course. Let's hang. Done. I'm all right, free. Man. I'm free for things. No, I'm just kidding. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little 
something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Kyle, what'd you think of Demel? You mean Duhamel? Duhamel? Dude, so just so the <laughs> listeners understand, this is one of my, I can't stop doing it now. I was texting with Van Pelt going, hey, we had Duhamel on. So Kyle was like, hey, Josh Duhamel is going to, and I went, what? I go, wait a minute, do you mean Demel? So you didn't, you're super locked in on on his career then is what you're telling well, us. Well, I, I knew who he was forever and I knew, I kept confusing with Timothy Ol- Oliphant, Olif- Oliphant. Do I not know how to say that guy's name either? But do you have anybody that there's like, you just said their name wrong forever. And I've got a last name that people butcher all the time. So I'm just wondering if like you got, if you know at least where I'm coming from. I do. I do. I'm trying to think of who it is. Dude, Oliphant's a good call. Uh, I hope we're pronouncing that one right. He played the really good salesman in the office that yeah he he was the guy that had to figure it out. He's the one that dumped Pam. was like, peace. Peace. <laughs> like he thought she was annoying. Um, whoa, dude. Googling Oliphant. He is a Vanderbilt. Huh. Must be nice. <laughs> Did you ever want to be a, a Vanderbilt or a Rockefeller or Roosevelt? Like the guild just the old school. No? What do you mean? Like just like one of America's. Do you know Titan what I'm talking families? about? What do you mean? Yeah. He, what do you mean? I had a roommate. When you say a he's roommate. a Vanderbilt, what do you mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I just heard it. Like, my, I think old people get really excited about that. I remember, like, I used to think we knew the Kennedys when I would talk to my grandmother. And then I was like, oh, wait, we don't know them? I was like, oh, just Irish. <laughs> Irish people are obsessed with the Kennedys. And the Northeast thing is part of it. And, and my father's family being from Providence. So, yeah, growing up, and I'm talking like a little kid, like I wasn't an idiot in high school being like, oh, yeah, JFK. Yeah, it, was, it was a tough day for us. Um, but, yeah, I had a roommate that was a Vanderbilt. That was his middle name. So, I, But I don't really know what it means. Like, I guess people are supposed to be really excited. And we could sit there and say, like, oh, it, it means you have access to all this money. I don't know. Like, people have been around now for a while. Got a yeah, few hundred years under cousins. belts here. I mean, so, Michael Crichton's not, uh, his, his family's not returning my calls, so I don't know. Are you related? No, to him? not at all. Not at all. But see, that's that's how you could be a Vanderbilt and be a nobody at the same time. You know what would be a, uh, just a move is just to start naming your kids with middle names. Because that was the deal. Like the guy that we knew, his middle name was Van- and guys were like, he's a he's a Vanderbilt. I'm like, okay, but what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> I'm 18 and I don't care. Like I don't, what's the next thing that's supposed to happen? Again, I think that's that's an older person deal. Well, you start. You obviously that. write your whole name on job applications at that point, right? Yeah. How does that come up? How? <laughs> well, you start going by like you? Ryan V. Rosillo, and it's like somebody has to ask you, "What's the V for?" And it's like, "Oh, it's Vanderbilt." 
Yeah, because the other thing rich people do is they'll do um, like family names that don't really make any sense in the flow of the person's full name. So they'll do a middle name where it's, I don't know, like it, it just, it won't make like the Huxtables, you know. It's like another last Kyle, name. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Huxtable Crichton. Yeah, nah, and he'd be like, wait a minute, what's, what's that? He'd be like, oh, it's, it's a family name. It's a family name. I think everybody should start doing it. Seriously. That way, just these old school, rich, blue blood uh, families. Start watering it down. Yeah, just everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I've changed mine. Flood the market. Ryan Kennedy Rosillo. Oh, my God. Are you a Kennedy? In a way. My grandmother was was really into him. (laughs) Okay. Life advice. We get a couple good ones here today. People wanted an all life advice podcast. I don't know. That's like the Christmas cop out. Well, I guess now we have NBA. That's not the that's not the case. But no, I mean we could do one, but then that would mean you'd have to edit it, Kyle. And I, I don't. You got Thanksgiving plans? Mm, I'm working. I on could just bang out. Oh, you you are? I oh, got to do those million dollar picks, Bill Simmons. So we'll should be we just do dinner. five life advices and see what the numbers are for a Friday? Uh, no, I'm going to say no to that one. Okay. <laughs> We're already off. You know why? You know why though? You know why it's a bad idea is because it's we don't want to give we don't want to give you too much because I think I'll get sick of myself by the third one. Whenever I do three, then I'm it's like medicine. Like, you don't right. take you don't take eight yeah. Tylenol, right? Medicine. I'm going to compare it more towards. You know what I love is a good coffee cake, but I never buy it. I just don't want it around the house when you're by yourself, you know, those kinds yeah, of things. And then treats. it's like in your room. <laughs> <laughs> it's in your, I don't know that I, I don't know that I go to that level, but I saw one the other day. I was like, man, that looks great. And we're like, what the hell are you going to do with that? Buy it. And then you can't be like the weird single guy in his 40s handing out coffee cake to the neighbors. So, you know what I did do yesterday, though, is I sold something online. Well, what was it? It was, uh, I had a squat rack from Rogue and I sold it. Why? Because you feel I, like we're coming out of this pandemic? It took you like forever to lock that thing down. No, no. It's not because I think we're getting out of this. It's because I wanted to upgrade with a different um, different deal. So Rogue, the stuff is amazing, but it's it's not easy to find. So I was looking for a fair price, but I didn't want to negotiate. And the last time I tried to sell anything was when I was moving from Connecticut and I listed all my furniture online. It was all restoration hardware, all good stuff. No kids, no pets. I'm in one room. I don't think I went in for six years. So that stuff was still up to date. Mint. So I put I put fair but stern prices down. And then all of a sudden you got people showing up at your house, walking through it, critiquing your shit. And I'll never forget the Asian couple that came in and started speaking to each other in a foreign language. I don't want to assume what language it was. Um, but it was pretty offensive. You're like, Hey, are you serious? Like you guys are sitting there like bitching about my furniture while I'm sitting here watching you guys. And now you're doing it. Did they buy? Would you ever? Yeah. Imagine if you didn't speak a foreign language and you went to go look at somebody's furniture and then you were in your house and you were whispering to your wife so that the person who owned the stuff couldn't hear you, but they were doing it right in my face. Incredibly rude. Did they buy it? No, they didn't buy anything, Ooh, nothing. So and at the end, I was kind of like, all right, you know, you guys can get out of here. You guys can get out of here because they just kept walking <laughs> around arguing with each other. And I, I was, I was, that was a pretty short fuse because I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. All right, get out of here. So it didn't work out. I don't, I think I sold one piece, one sectional 
And then, of course, because I'm jacked, I have to move everything for everybody. Uh, and so this time I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I don't want people coming to my house and all this different stuff. I put it on Craigslist. It sold in like two hours. Guy drove down. I disassembled it for him, helped him load it up. That was nice. And I, I kept putting firm. Don't ask for extra stuff. It's not happening. There's no, there's no extra stuff. Don't show up here. I mean, I wasn't like freaking out in the ad and it worked out. And then I spent all night building the new one. So I'm, uh, I felt awful last night. Like my body was just going, what, what was, what was today about? What are we going to, we going to do this in the future more often? So I don't know. The new one isn't level yet though. I got to figure it out. I got to get in there with a level, maybe some shims. Okay. In case you guys are wondering what I did the last 24 hours, but I'm really proud of myself for posting something, selling it that quickly. No hassle done and done because that, that stuff scares the hell out of me. Last thing I sold online was a, a GPS, a Garmin. How'd that go? It was hot. So it was got stolen. Like nothing. Got like nothing for it. Wait a minute. You had a, you had stolen goods. That you were moving. It was like, I, I felt dirty, but you know, one time, you know, when you're, when you're 17, what are you, how are you going to make money? Oh, only, I thought only, this was last week. No, it's the only time I, I ever sold like, anything online was like uh, a Garmin. So it was a while ago. Yeah, I think, I think you're past the statute of limitations on that one. But I like that you were so honest about it. But I, as you started that story, I'm like, why is he admitting he stole a Garmin last week on this podcast? I'm not saying I stole it. I'm just saying it was, it was hot. You, you knew. You knew it was right. I'll okay. leave it at that. All right. Fair. Okay, here we go. Um, it doesn't want to. Yeah, no kidding. You don't want us to read your name on this one. Okay, long story short, my little bro met a girl at the beach this summer, COVID dating, but it worked out. He moved out west a few years ago and came home to spend the summer at the beach. Okay, so I'm assuming this is an East Coast location. We met her at the end of the summer, and it turns out I know her. How? Well, I dated hooked up with this girl over 10 years ago. It wasn't the time or place to blurt that out at the beach, obviously. I told my wife driving home. I think it's cool that you and your wife are at that level because some people just can't talk about the other person's uh, past at all. So that's kind of cool. Um, so it has nothing to do with the email. Compliments to you and your wife. We decided at that time to not tell little bro and give the girl the opportunity to disclose this juicy factoid. We chose poorly. Fast forward a few months and she's not told him. He's moving back east in no small part because of her. Now some context. Little bro has been single for a long time. He's got some notches on the old belt. Far more than your humble narrator here. Mathematically, the scenario happening was quite low. He's also more than likely to fuck the relationship up. More context. I met the girl many years ago. Feels like a different lifetime. Yeah, I get it. I mean, now you're married and, and whatever. You're older. 10 years is 10 years. It was definitely a rebound for me. She was super young and I had been dumped and was not in a good place as far as wanting to settle down at that time. Um, was I a huge douche? Probably not, but also wasn't a perfect gentleman. All right, look, don't. I mean, unless you're not being honest with us. You met somebody, you're in a weird spot, you hooked up, you blew the person off. Um, you've probably been blown off too. So just because, now that's a weird kind of math deal where you go, hey, no one cared about me when I was on the other side of it. So I can't put the other person's feelings ahead of my own in a current situation. So um, don't worry about that. Now, here are three scenarios. She doesn't remember. <laughs> um, I don't know if she's a, she's a disaster. Uh, maybe. Um, 
probably not though. She probably remembers. And how can you not figure out in the times? I don't know if you've had any personal interaction with her. Normally you can tell within seconds when you look at the person's eyes that you go, Hey, how's it going? Uh, that would be a tough one to have a poker face on. Okay. So she doesn't remember, but then he says parent uh, parentheses here. I mean, come on, not because I'm Dirk Diggler, but there's no way she doesn't remember too many specific things for her not to remember, but maybe no, she definitely remembers again, unless she's a total disaster. Okay. She doesn't want to Fuck it up by telling him the most likely scenario or scenario three, the lifetime movie scenario. She's been plotting revenge on me for years, and this is a master <laughs> plan. In retrospect, <laughs> I should have told him immediately. Don't want to get into too many specifics, but it's been a rough year in my bros' relationships that will likely end a disaster was not a proper time. All right, so here, let me just say the sentence in English. He doesn't want to get into many specifics, but it's been a rough year and my brother's relationships that will likely end a disaster was not a top priority for me, and it was awkward as hell and as time went on it got harder to tell him and feels like this is a uh waspy version of an ed burns movie what should i do uh all right we'll leave that part out okay um oh man i let me just try to be your brother here for a second okay because here's what i would do i i don't have an older brother i have, I have a younger brother uh i have two younger brothers but um if I were in a scenario where I don't even know if older or younger matters at this point. Uh, if I were like getting ready to marry this girl and I knew she slept with my brother or I found out after dating her for a year or two, I would, I would go fucking crazy and it would be unfair, but there's just no way I'm walking down the aisle with, with someone that slept with my brother. I'm just, you know, I'm not real complicated. That's just going to be a rule for me. I, so I can't, I couldn't do it. So you gotta, you gotta figure something out. You gotta talk to her and go, Hey, look, what, what do we do here? So, yeah, I look at it this way. I I think the, the, the problem with it is you can't never tell them. You can't never tell them. So it feels like if this is the one and it all works out and he's moving back there, like, do you go, hey, what's better? Him being happy and there's this secret this whole time. And if no one ever finds out, but you don't know that. You don't know if they're going to get into a fight in five years from now, a huge argument. And she's like, hey, by the way. And then that whole time, you've never done that. And it, it appears you have a good relationship with your brother and you care about him. So if you care about how your brother feels, the don't do corporate management here where it's, I'd rather lie to you now and have you be super pissed off later than deal with confrontation today. That's how I've been managed in almost every corporate thing I've had, which is basically one. Um, So it's not hard to guess which one that is, but it's like, hey, should we tell Rosillo? No, let's not. Let's let him get wicked pissed off at us like a year from now. Oh, good idea. So, um, yeah, you got to tell him. I think you have to tell them. Maybe some of you guys listening now disagree. I just, I think you got to tell them. Unless it's like a surefire, this thing is going to not last another couple weeks, which it sounds like that's not the case. You should probably tell them. Yeah, right. Like I get what you, I, I completely understand all of your decisions here. I don't think you're necessarily doing anything wrong. You're like, Hey, whatever. No big deal. He's, he's kind of dating off and on. I don't need to tell him. And then I think you got to make sure. I don't know what she's going to say. What if she says no? 
and then you still have to tell them and then they get married and your brother hates you and his wife hates you even more. This is not easy. Tough being so hot, man. Okay. <laughs> this is, uh, this one's interesting. Okay. This is, I'm leaving name out on this one too. Okay. Uh, he, he goes over some NBA stuff here. That's not relevant. Okay. He's like, here's my question. Every March, my fiance goes to a Buddhist retreat in India for a couple of weeks. Eat. Uh, early March this year, the retreat was canceled, but I still pushed her to go to India because the flight was non-refundable and it's cheap and quick to fly from India to Kathmandu, her favorite city. Selfishly, the reason why I pushed her to fly was because I planned a guy's trip to Tulum that same time and wanted to extend my trip to shoot a short film with some local actresses. <laughs> okay. Uh, if she would have stayed home, I probably wouldn't have been able to swing the two weeks in Tulum. Of course, what happened was she got stuck in Nepal, which is landlocked, and that actually locked everything down, closed all borders, and she was stuck there, unable to fly back to the U.S. until starting September. Holy shit. So again, she went early March, and she was going to be stuck there until September. The plan was for her to fly back in September, but she kind of sprung on me the last minute. She visited an orphanage there that was really in bad shape with the kids not eating well and lacking school supplies. So she wanted to stay and help turn the orphanage around. At first, I was upset because I was looking forward to seeing her, but I also don't want to sound like an asshole and prevent 13 orphans from getting better education and food. Well, congrats to you, man. Uh, so I told her I supported her. Okay. She then told everybody that her fiance uh, said she could stay longer. But after I had time to think about it, I realized I was not happy with the decision. If we were going to get married, why wouldn't she want to get back to her fiance as soon as possible? I haven't gotten it in for six months. Okay. That's sex. I was really <laughs> struggling. Plus, I was stuck taking care of her blind and deaf dog. Oof. Is this one real? This one. There is I'm some. Sure. There's a couple things in this one. That's that's a good point. Yeah, the at the dog sentence. I'm like, I don't know. Okay, let's move. Let's keep moving as if it were real. On the other hand, it's not like she was staying longer to just do yoga, or read books in the beach. She was actually raising a lot of money and busting her ass to help this orphanage. And you don't get to have sex, and she's helping thirteen orphans. You, what an asshole she is. All right, I'm kidding. Uh, he actually says, hey, so I feel like an asshole questioning why she wanted to help these poor orphans. Everybody I talk to says that's so messed up what she did that I should leave her. Now, my mom hates her and called her selfish scumbag, um, some other bad names. To be fair, the past couple of months, she's given me don't ask, don't tell hall pass. And I've been relatively successful, coupled with the fact that it's been nine months. I can't really remember what it's like to be around her. I was thinking I would wait till she gets back to see her in person, then reevaluate to see if I still feel the same way. I don't want to make a rash decision since it looks like I only have two more weeks to go. Just curious what you do in my situation. All right. This is actually the thing that jumps out to me is that you guys are kind of meant for each other. You're both into your own thing and maybe selfish is the wrong word, but you, this whole thing started with you being selfish. So you wanted her to go because you wanted probably a break from her and you wanted to go to Tulum. So because you wanted to go to Tulum to shoot a movie with actresses, which I'm going to guess based on some of these other emails, like, I don't know if you were faithful then or not. Um, you admit to not being, but with this hall pass version of it. So maybe that's not as bad. I don't know, man. Some of, some of these relationships out there absolutely blow my mind where I'm like, wait, what do you, what, what happens? That's everybody's cool with that program. So, uh, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt here and, and say that you didn't go to Tulum to hang out with actresses beyond just working with them professionally, but it started, you wanted her to leave so you could get your space. And now she's staying there. I don't know if it's because she wants space from you, 
but because she went to help out a bunch of orphans. Now, the easiest thing is like, hey, she's doing the right thing. What she's doing is incredible, which is true. But yes, you're engaged. At some point, you want your fiance back to figure out if you're going to start a life in the States. So there has to be an expiration on this more than admirable act here. This is unbelievable what she's doing. I'd also worry a little bit, man, about, you know, if if you're you 100% sure she didn't meet somebody, not to mess with you here a little bit. But then, as you say, as she's extended this, but she's about to come back, yes, it would seem like she would want to come back, but she's probably so into her deal that she's surrounded by all these little kids that have no chance, and she's trying to do whatever she can. So if we want to make a positive out of this, you'd be like, you're with this incredible person with this massive heart that can see the world this way. and as much as she may love you and can't wait to marry you and come back and start a family, like in the moment, this is what she's seeing and what she's feeling. And she feels like she has to do it. Like she has this, this bigger calling, which I think so many people don't have. So you may be marrying somebody who's going to be an incredible mother or uh, an incredible supportive person because they can be so selfless, even though you're feeling like she's being selfish only to you, which again, it's about you again. So I think you have a bit of a selfish streak in you. And by the way, did you tell your mom when she called her selfish and a scumbag that you have a hall pass to sleep with women? Did you tell your mom that part? Did you tell your mom the part about where you wanted to go to Tulum extra time to hang out with local actresses? I bet you didn't tell your mom that part. <laughs> Probably not. So I'm not even, you know, giving you a hard time here, but I, I think you have a selfish streak in you. And that's okay. You know, it's, it's not, I think, I think a lot of people are really selfish. I, th I think more people are selfish than we realize and more people don't like to admit how selfish they can be. And there can be certain things, well, I'm not selfish. It's like, yeah, but you do all these other things that are actually incredibly selfish. They're just not in the, the normally as, as easy to define selfish act. So, um, I would, I would personally wait. I would, uh, I would wait. Till she comes back. I mean, if we're a couple of weeks away from this and you've gone through this entire time, I, I, I'm pretty sure you can come to that conclusion on your own. You care enough to write the email. You care enough about her to do those things. You cared enough about her to make her your fiance. Um, but yeah, you just could be like, look, if, if we're doing this, I just need to know that like, that's not going to happen again. And you got to get the right kind of answer. I don't know what that is for you, but I think you got to come clean a little bit on this too and realize that you, you have some things where, um, you make it about yourself and you know, if she's okay with all that, you know, whatever. But I do, I don't know what you told your mom or not, but I, I doubt you told her all those things. Like, mom, this sucks. She's over there, but I am hooking up left and right. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Everybody have a great Thanksgiving, you know, whatever you're doing. I know uh, this is not ideal for a lot of people out there, but, um, you know, again, just try to make the most of it with people that you're closest with. And uh, with, if it's getting together with a couple of friends, you know, that's, that's not a bad Thursday either. So we'll be back on Monday, Monday, wrapping up uh, the NFL week and everything going on. And probably just, I'll probably have a longer form solo NBA thing that I've been working on here a little bit. But uh, I, I want to wait until a couple more things are finalized and all that kind of, kind of stuff before I jump in and, and have like a gap like we're having. So again, thank you so much. Please subscribe, 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 rate, review the podcast and also follow on Spotify if you can. And we'll talk to you Monday again. Enjoy the week, everyone.